This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Accessing data files. Initiating program. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Downloading Sean. My name is Sean Ray, and I don't know why people hate Nickelback. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Downloading John. But like the one benefit to uh, getting fat is that I don't have to iron my clothes as much. If you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Downloading Rick. Did you know that elephants are made entirely out of Rocky Road ice cream? Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. He's looking at you, kid. Accessing guest files. N C C one seven o one. No bloody A. Joni loves Shachi is the epitome. You beat me to it, you bastard. B. Uh, I wasn't listening. Sorry. Oh, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt more like a northerner than I do right now. (laughs) Or D. If you're wondering how this is going to play out, just watch A Bug's Life. It's basically the same (laughs) plot. Come to the coast. We get together. Have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep that change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, the show that reminds you that it's a dog-eat-dog world, not a doggy-dog world. And sitting across the room, you guys did not laugh at my joke. Wow. And, <laughs> and sitting across. My doggy's on my lap right now, so it is a doggy dog world to me. <laughs> well, it, it got me thinking about a post that one of my uh, former students put on Facebook yesterday, which is a load of crap, which was that, did you know that it's. It's actually hard as hail, not hard as hell. I'm like, no, it isn't. Yeah, my wife, my <laughs> wife was telling me the same thing last night. I was like, that's not true. Then, it, <laughs> then am I supposed to say it's cold as hail? But just because it's ice, why wouldn't I just say cold as ice? And she, <laughs> you're being pretentious. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, I looked it up. I, I said, all right. I'll, you know, I, very often we find out that some of these idioms have morphed over the years, and they used to be something else. But I could find absolutely no documentation on that whatsoever other than that post yeah somebody just wanted to go viral but <laughs> and sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that is 100 human but only 50 percent centaur mr rick tatro how are you sir <laughs> yeah i'm fine oh my god <laughs> and a couple of uh friends on the line with us first of all virginia is back with us again how are you i'm doing well and author, journalist, podcaster, and opera connoisseur, Christopher DeFilippis. How are you, sir? <laughs> Sadly, not part centaur. I feel, feel really inadequate now. <laughs> We're all part centaur. <laughs> but thank you for picking up on the opera thing. That makes me feel good and pretentious. <laughs> we are going to play a game. Hey, John just messaged me and said he'll be here in two minutes. Okay. What? We'll go I'll ahead. believe it when I see it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go ahead and start our game. Uh, we're going to play the Rotten Tomatoes game. And uh, this time, I actually just picked uh, films that have all come out this year. So sometime between January 1st and today, all these films came out. And let me explain quickly how the Rotten Tomatoes game works, because I know you guys probably know how to play, but the audience may or may not. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a website that gives a grade to films based on uh, the, the critics' reviews. 
they take all the critics' reviews, put them together, and then give them up, give the the movie a percentage. Then the higher the percentage, the the better the review is. So it's uh, if it's less than sixty percent, it's considered to be rotten, and if it's more than sixty percent, it's considered to be to be fresh. Um, so I've got ten movies here, and I'm going to give the name of the movie. And I'm going to let each one of you try to guess what the score is from the critics. And whoever gets closest will get that point. And that's not, not closest without going over. You know, just, just closest. Uh, okay, so the first one is Insidious The Last Key. And I will start, ladies first, I'll start with Virginia. What is the name of this? <laughs> the name of the movie? Or the name of the yes. game? Yes. The name of the movie <laughs> is Insidious. Have you ever heard of the the Insidious franchise? No. Wow. Okay. It's a horror. Sorry. It's a horror movie franchise. So there you go. Oh. Okay. Um. Since apparently I don't know anything about it, I'm just gonna give it a even fifty. All right. Let me write that down. Okay. Rick, what do you think? Uh. Yeah, horror movies tend to hover right around the uh, the, the three star range, regardless of how good they are. So I'm gonna go sixty five. All right, Chris, thirty seven all the way. <laughs> all right, the hold on. Let me put let me put that on pause because John just messaged me and said he's ready. So let me add him and I'll get his score. <laughs> then we'll <laughs> we'll let him. This is podcasting, folks. This is how we do it. True facts about the podcaster. John, are you there? Howdy. All right. I am here. John, we're playing the Rotten Tomatoes game. What? 49. Okay. You want me to put that down? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the uh, critic score is for Insidious The Last Key? I stand by that. 49? <laughs> actually, actually, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any of the Insidious movies. I've... I've um, I'll, I'll I'll bump that up. Um, I'll go I go sixty. Okay. The actual score is survey says thirty two percent. So Chris <laughs> Chris gets a point. Chris gets a point. If I, if I, if I said forty nine, would I have won? No, Chris no. Chris said thirty seven. So he was the closest. What, that makes what, you feel better. What number is that in the franchise? Is it the third? It is the. Wait a minute. No, it's the fourth. It's the fourth one. It's, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember. I thought it was either the second or the third, so I was giving it a little more yeah. nope. generosity. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> All right. The uh. second one is The Commuter, starring Liam Neeson. Virginia, mm-hmm. what do you think? Hmm. Liam Neeson. I'm going to say probably 70. Okay. Rick? I know a lot of people that watch movies. Uh, I do a podcast about movies, and this is the first time I've ever heard of this movie. No, it's not, <laughs> because I reviewed it on on uh, Movie News. Was I on that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know a lot of people that watch movies, but I don't pay attention to what they say. So. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to say 30. Okay. Chris? 22. All right. And John? You guys really don't seem to like this movie. Do you remember? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Uh, it looked like it was an okay film, but completely 
predictable and derivative. So I'll, I'll give it a 50. That is an accurate uh, description of the movie. It was acceptable, but derivative. Hold on. My wife just walked in and she dyed her hair. Is it black? Uh-oh. Dark. <laughs> it's pretty dark. It looks good, though. <laughs> <laughs> She's sick of it. Dark is a color. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you've been doing while I'm podcasting. It looks good though. <laughs> okay. Uh no, the I'll actual score. The, <laughs> the actual score was uh fifty seven. So John gets that point. Cool. Woohoo. Alright, the next one is uh Den of Thieves. That's the one that had Gerard Butler in it. Virginia? I know I'm naming a bunch of movies that y'all um, <laughs> have not seen or heard of. 42. Okay. All right, Rick? Uh, hmm. uh, uh, 71. Why not? All right, Chris? That's nice. I'm going to go with 79, even though I don't know the movie or who Gerard Butler is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, John, what do you think? Uh, 35. Survey says 41. Virginia got it by one yes. point. Nice. Wow. <laughs> it's like close heat. <laughs> yeah. All right. And the next one is Please Stand By. Virginia. What is that one? That is the film. That is the film with uh what's her uh God, hold on a second. It's the it's the oh, one about the girl. The, who, the autistic who, girl who wrote He wrote writes the oh. Star Trek script. Oh. Yes. 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 Okay. Yep. Dakota Fanning, that's her name, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it smells like Oscar bait. 55. I have not seen it yet, but Susie Plaxon actually contacted me and said, if you haven't seen this, you've got to watch it. It's a wonderful movie. Um, so I'm going to say that it's one of those movies that the only people who are going to rate it are the people that loved it. So I'm going to say uh, 85. <laughs> you said 85? Okay. 85. All right, Chris. I'm going to say 93, and before we go further, can I just establish one thing that I don't think has ever happened on the Cos- Cosmic Potato Podcast Network? What's that? Everybody's beating Rick. <laughs> so, <laughs> so far. Actually, that that happens a lot on Cosmic Potato. It just doesn't seem to take on the... <laughs> <laughs> but all at once at this point. What do you think, John? Um, what, what's the highest score right now? The highest uh, guess? 93. I, I said 93. Yeah. I'm not going to go that high. I'll say 82. Okay. It's actually 61, so Virginia gets that point, too. Yes! And I... Re- I I've, fire! I've seen that movie. That is a really good movie. I recommend it. And not just for Star Trek fans. You don't have to be a Star Trek fan to like that movie. Um, okay. The Cloverfield Paradox. <laughs> 12 Rick, Rick, Rick just tensed up with anger <laughs> What'd you say Virginia? I said 12 12, okay Rick? 5 Okay Chris? I'll see your 5 and raise you 11 sir right. John? I'll see your 11 and drop you to 2 <laughs> Alright The actual retail price is Sixteen percent. Virginia gets that too. <laughs> I like this game. Yeah, the game, the game likes you. All right, all right. Here's one I know. Uh, well, I say I know all of you have seen it. I don't know if Virginia's seen it or not. Uh, Black Panther. 
Virginia, what do you think? I have not seen it, but I will say 85 because I've heard very good things about it. Okay. Rick? Last time I heard, it was actually at 100. Um, uh, I'm going to say 100. All right. Chris? I'm going to go 98. All right. John? 99. <laughs> it's probably going to be 97. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch that to 97. I'll go 97. It's 96. So Son of a... Oh. No, you, you were the closest. You, you win. You're the closest. Yeah. You were one away. Okay. Uh, Red Sparrow. Hmm. I am not familiar with this one. I don't recommend it. I've seen it. Who's in it? It's got Jennifer Je- Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. She's um, a spy. Jennifer Lawrence is black. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence is a spy. I'm going to give it 35. Wow. <laughs> okay. Rick? <laughs> Take that, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> I, yeah, I... I uh, the, the only thing I know about this movie is there was a lot of talk because she finally did a nude scene in it and heard nothing about it. The most disturbing, no, about about- the most disturbing nude scene I've ever seen because it's really? not it's not sexy at all. It's just it, yeah. Well, she okay. did a, did a um, disturbing, unsexy nude scene in, in Mother also. Yeah, yeah, she did do that. Yeah. Um. So the fact that you know I've heard no buzz about this movie after it opened, uh, which saddens me because I was kind of hoping it would be another Atomic Blonde situation, but. Um, Which is what the, way did you say, ad- the way it was advertised, but it's, it it didn't play out that way. Virginia said oh, really? thirty-five. Thirty-five. Uh-huh. Uh, Forty. All right, Chris. Uh, I already said twenty-two, so we'll say twenty-three. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, Fifty-seven. All right, it's actually forty-seven. So Rick is the closest; he gets a point. Finally! <laughs> <laughs> All right, number eight, Annihilation. Virginia. Oh boy! Oh god! Which, oh, that's the alien one. Yeah, sort of. Um, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I I haven't seen any of these, so I'm just randomly guessing. Um, eighteen. Okay, welcome Rick? to the podcast. I have not heard good things about it, uh, but I haven't heard particularly bad things about it, just that it's kind of mediocre. Although Chris did uh, seem to indicate no, no, I haven't, but I've read the books that it's based on oh yeah there's a whole bunch of baggage up here in my head don't don't pay attention to the uh 20 all right chris Based on the source material and the nosedive that took as the series went on, and the fact that Natalie Portman is actually a really terrific actress, and there is a lot of high concept crap in this. Oh crap! I have no idea. Um, I'm going to do the Virginia trick. Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Is that is that working? Is that how she's been winning? No, but she no. won the first point that way, though. I think. Um. Well, I lost a point that way, so your odds are fifty-fifty. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm gonna go. It looked. It looked like it should be good, 
and I've heard a couple of well, I've heard reviews that kind of run the spectrum. So I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna say eighty eighty four. Actual uh, score was eighty seven. Wow! Wow! It's not a bad movie. I've seen. uh, It's not bad. I mean, it's not. It's just. I mean, it's kind of a strange movie, and it's very cerebral. But uh, Mm. but it. I I thought it was a good movie. So I. I was actually blown away when I saw the trailer for it. I had no idea they had made it into a feature film, and I'm sitting there saying, "Is this Annihilation? Is this is this Southern Reach? Did they actually? You can't make a movie out of that. that. And then it was. I was like, I was really shocked because I saw there's a, there's a, like a lighthouse in it and the shimmer and those are like really big imagery that you see in the book all the time. That especially the lighthouse. Yeah. And once I saw that lighthouse, I said, Holy moly! Good for you, Jeff Vandermeer, because he's a good writer. It's a good high concept story. Uh, I just think it sort of falls apart in the execution as the execution goes on. So yeah, it's uh, uh, but that's that's over three books, not just this one book that I think they adapted. Yeah, and they only released it theatrically here in the U.S. Overseas, it went straight to Netflix. So wow, yeah. okay. So that was mm. kind of mm. a, a different way to distribute a movie. But okay, two more. Uh, Tomb Raider, Virginia. Tomb. There's another Tomb Raider. Is this a reboot? Kind of. I mean, it's a um, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's based. They rebooted the game, and it's based on the new game. So yeah, it's a reboot. Oh, okay. It's a um, reboot of a reboot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sixty-eight. All right, Rick. Actually, I'm glad you're mentioning this because it uh, we we didn't get to see it, and it got away before we could. I think it came out the same weekend as something else we did see, and we don't get to go to the movies that much. It just reminded me that it's there. I've got to start watching out, looking out for it on Amazon. Um, but again, I heard no buzz about it whatsoever. Uh, that uh, sixty-two. Sixty-two. All right, Chris. Oh, I mean, come on! It's a video game movie. It's going to be universally panned by everybody um, <laughs> who doesn't play video games. Yeah, these so. are the critics. <laughs> you got to remember these True. are the critics. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say thirty-five. All right, and John. I'm going to say that critics have a sense of fun, <laughs> and it takes it, and it takes it, and it takes a Tomb Raider to find it. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna be <laughs> a little more generous, and I'm gonna say uh, 75. All right, the actual score is 49%. So uh, uh, Chris gets that point. Oh, good. All right, and I've, I thought I'd have- I've I've seen Tomb Raider, and it is a it not a good movie, but an entertaining movie. I mean, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's an entertaining movie. It's there's not much to it. It's a video game movie, so it's, it is what it is. It's Tomb Raider. It was better than the Angelina Jolie version. Not oh, that not that those movies were bad. I mean, Angelina Jolie was okay in them. It's just this the, is a the better, second one. A better the second film. one was kind of bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We say that. yeah. Well, I mean, a sequel to a video game movie. How it's, <laughs> it's got two things going yeah. against it there. So, um, all right. Last one. Sherlock Gnomes. Ah. Virginia. <laughs> Finally, one I've seen. <laughs> um, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna go with. 47. Okay. Rick? All right. This is tricky because I've never... I I really don't mess with Rotten Tomatoes because 
I, I, don't, I just don't sweat reviews because I'm either going to see a movie or I'm not. Right. A review isn't going to sway me. Um, but I did see this one. I took my little girl to see it, and it wasn't bad. It was, it was actually, I didn't fall asleep, and I wasn't looking at my watch the whole time going, when will this ever end? And there were some fun Easter eggs for the grown-ups, but overall, it was, it was very much a kid's movie. It was not something that, you know, folks are going to say, hey, man, we got to just do a bowl and go see this. It's awesome. <laughs> um, to be fair, you can say that about anything, though. Yeah, they're, they're like. The, the, the first time I saw Fern Gully was when I was in my 20s when some friends were like, dude, wow. come on, we're going to get drunk and watch Fern Gully, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some kids' movies that lend themselves to that sort of thing. This isn't one of them, so I don't know who's going to rate it. On um, what Was it better or worse, in your opinion, than Peter Rabbit? <sighs> not as good, but not by much. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for 65. All right. Chris? Speaking as someone that doesn't ever watch animated features, <gasps> very, very rarely. Um, I think the last one I saw was Up. People nonetheless lap these things up, uh, regardless of their apparent quality in my, in my estimation. So they're just forms of uh, forms. They're just fans of the form. So I'm going to say it's like 82 because if you're going to review it, like Rick said before, it's probably people who like it that are going to be reviewing it. And th- all these movies seem to get a pass to me. So. Well, well this, is, this is the critic score, though, right? Yeah, the critic score. Yeah, but even they, they, they seem to like all that Pixar stuff, too. So, Okay. All right, John. Um, based on the trailer, I'm going to say 15. All right. <laughs> Actual retail price, 26%. So John, John gets that wow. point. Wow. So much for my logic. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. They, 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 just, well, just well, there's, there's, I, I, something fundamentally I just don't get about these movies. They, <laughs> there, there's a wide gulf between Pixar movies and Sherlock No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I haven't seen this one, but I did see the first one because I went to a birthday party. at you know It was a child that was wanting to see the, the first movie, and so I got dragged to it. And when I heard that this was a sequel to that one i was like no (laughs) it's okay i'm gonna pass but uh so john wins john got john got four you got four points really yeah virginia Uh, had three chris had two and rick had one Ooh, not skunked (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's uh the record uh peter rabbit was not good (laughs) It it, it I don't, wasn't yeah, I don't bad think, though. It was. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to compress my review of Peter Rabbit into a few sentences. Um, <laughs> not a haiku. That would not give you the information <laughs> that you need. I could. <laughs> that, that'll be my Mike J. John say at the end. Give me a second to think about it. But uh, okay, Peter Rabbit. My, my like fundamental rule is you can't break your rules over your own universe. And Peter Rabbit goes out of its way to make sure that you don't know what the rules of its universe are. Uh, you're right about that. I'll agree. And it'll it, and it'll be like, uh, you know, first of all, Peter's a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's a total ass to like everybody in the film, the whole movie. And like he doesn't really have a, a like he doesn't really get better. He just kind of gets backed into a corner where he has to admit that he's an ass. 
Which is kind of what I liked about it. And it does this thing where, so there's a narrator. And, you know, this is a different kind of movie. We would do this, and then they they would show something nice. But it's not a kind of movie. And then they just do something else. And they do that like two or three times. Um, And there was a point where Peter is talking to a human. And the human's like, I wait, are you actually talking? And it's the first time that an animal talks to a human. The animals talk to each other all the time. And and he's like, wait, are you actually talking right now? And he's like, no, actually, it's all in your head. Which is the same thing that they did, that the narrator did, like five minutes prior. So it, it, it is intentionally deceptive because it wants to be, hey, we're a kids movie, but we're no, we know kids movies aren't cool. So, mm. kids movies. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll believe it. I'll believe it later. But at least that, Don Hall Gleason was better in Peter Rabbit than he has been in either of the Star Wars movies he was in. I don't care. <laughs> that, I don't care. I, I mean, the acting in the films were fine. But they were all acting in a film that was pissing on the audience, and I would rather just leave. <laughs> I'd rather not. But my six-year-old loved it, so. Well, great. And I, I like the ambiguity of the fact and, that. And, and for the record, for the record, my two kids and my wife saw this film with me. We all saw it together. They all loved it. They all liked it a lot. There were some funny scenes in it. There were some witty scenes in it. But it's way. It was way too afraid to be sincere and any time that there was a moment of emotion they had they had to kind of back away from it but because they wanted to be too cool for that and i i was not impressed there, there were a lot of there, there were a lot of good things about it it could have it should have been better they just didn't want to commit to being one or the other and i feel like they if they were trying to be both they failed there are not many times in my life when I'm happy that my kids are just about grown or you know, my, my, son, my son is grown and, and we have a grandchild on the way and my daughter's 16. But when I saw the trailer for that and for Sherlock Holmes, I was like, I'm glad I don't have to go to those movies anymore. Me too. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, you listener. Do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania. You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what's it gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheel of dealing! Limousine right! Jet flying! Son of a gun! Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero, my hero. John Cena. The champ is here! Brock Lesnar. Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Review Mania right here on CosmicPotato.com. Or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. 
Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we are the hosts of the World War G podcast, along with Colton, but he's not here right now. Yes, yeah, so pay no attention. Uh, and we're a podcast about everything geek. We talk about uh, movies, television, video games, comic books. Uh, we got movie commentaries, the occasional taste tests, like these lovely pina colada Oreos. Just don't try the Coke ones. No. Dang, what do we say after that? <laughs> Dang it! Um... So oh, okay. I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can find us right here at CosmicPotato.com or at WorldWarG.Podbean.com. Or wherever else you get your podcasting fix. And as always, stay geeky, my friends. Hello, this is Will Wheaton. Yes, that Will Wheaton. No, no, the other, the other Will Wheaton. You are the worst. You're listening to Cosmic Potato. You're listening to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Be sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. You can contact us by email at mail at cosmicpotato.com or send us a voicemail or text message to 205 642 8380. Help the show grow by giving us a five star rating on iTunes. If these guys knew as much about actual science as they do Star Wars, they'd be unstoppable. Don't worry, the world is safe. Alright, let's talk about musicals. So, uh, we're going to talk about our favorite musicals and musical numbers. Uh, not, not necessarily all musical movies, but, you know, musical numbers in movies. Or you can talk about the whole movie. You know, either way you want to go. If you want to talk about a whole, like, this is my favorite musical movie, go for it. If you want to talk about this is my favorite number from a musical, you can go for that too. So... Uh, I'll do I'll do one first just to get the ball rolling. One of my favorites is uh, from the movie Aladdin. If you have talked to me for any amount of time, you'll know that I am a fan of Disney movies, and that's ramped up a lot since Pixar started many many years ago. But it's always been that way. And when Aladdin came out when I was a teenager, I was old enough to drive. My parents didn't want to go see it, so me and my cousin went to see it. My cousin was the same age that I was, so we went, eh, let's go see a movie. Let's go see Aladdin. Okay. And uh, we're in a theater full of children, and it's still one of my favorite classic animation Disney movies. And the this movie is full of music, but as you know, Robin Williams sang a song called Friend Like Me in that film that stuck with me and even made me go out and buy the soundtrack. I thought it was a great song. It was fast. It was funny. The entire... All of the stuff going on during the the number was great. It helped to introduce the genie character and really show what he was all about. I still sing it fairly regularly. <laughs> uh, when I went to Disney World a few weeks ago during the fireworks show, uh, they have if you if you've ever been to Disney World, you know that they have a huge multi million dollar fireworks show every single night. And uh, at one point the opening music to Friend Like Me comes up, and all around me, there are thousands of people that start going, wah, 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 <laughs> you know, that whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, when it, I can't remember if it actually won an Oscar, I know it was nominated for an Oscar, and at the, at the Academy Awards, uh, Robin Williams did not perform it, and Nell Carter performed it, and <laughs> it, was, it wasn't as good. Uh, 
give me a break, Nell Carter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She came out and that's, sang Friend Like Me. She was wearing like a big flowing blue dress and everything. And well, good for her. It was a totally different rendition. I, I don't, I, I'm confused as to why they did that. Since it was up to up for an Oscar, you would think that they would want to perform it the way it was in the film. But she did a, a much jazzier version of it and stuff. But um, I saw Aladdin on Broadway a few years ago when uh, my daughter's school had a trip to New York and we went to Broadway. And, of course, they wanted to see something that was, you know, kid-friendly. So they went to see Aladdin. And uh, the guy that played the genie in that play, I think he did a pretty good job with this song. I mean, it was a different take because it's not animated. You can't have a blue genie flying all over the place doing crazy stuff. It's just a dude on a stage. But uh, but they did a pretty good version of it. So. I don't know if you guys want to add anything about Friend Like Me. <laughs> I, I will only add that it is also on my list. Okay. Uh, for, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, <clears throat> a cool coming of age story to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> like the song a lot. I think the cartoon made it look cool too, because he was doing magic. The magic um, stuff, yeah. The magic stuff. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I can't remember who it was, but um, one of the people behind the film. But like you know, you get to see, like like animating the genie is like seeing Robin Williams' brain brought to life, yeah, which was a treat. Um, and and yeah, I, I I love that movie as well. And I and I had to pick, like, from that film the the one that I liked the best. And it was and it was between this and um, well, it was, it was between all. I love that movie, but yeah, I, I came down on the side of Friend Like Me as well because of magic. Right. Well, we went to, um, a, a few months ago, the Disney on Ice uh, show came to Birmingham, and my wife won tickets, you know, uh, we, my daughter's 16, so we probably wouldn't have gone if it wasn't free, So, but we went, and they did numbers from a bunch of different Disney shows, and when they did Aladdin, they, sit, they sang Prince Ali, and it's like, why aren't they singing... You know, friend like me. That's a better song. <laughs> you know, but they well, did, they did Prince Ali. You know, mighty is he, Ali Ababa, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, okay, John, what's your 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 first pick? Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> there is a lot of Disney on my list, and my list is bigger than I wanted it to be. But um, this is a song that I feel is often. And I and I apologize for my voice, guys. I've got a thing um, that I feel is is often left out of the great Disney animated song Pantheon, and it's from <clears throat> Beauty and the Beast. It's uh, Gaston. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. Gaston is amazing. That song is great. Um, I just heard Chris mumble something so under his breath. <laughs> I just mumbled, oh my God, because we live completely different universes. I have not understood a word you guys have been talking about for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I'm right there with you. I've never seen the movie. <laughs> okay. What? You've never seen Beauty and the Beast? Wow. Nope. You heard what? my whole preamble? All the Disney crap. John, you heard my whole preamble about the not watching a lot of animated movies. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that really is a thing. I, I, I wasn't just saying that. No, but it, this came out before Up did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that that was like your cutoff. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, well, Gaston is uh, unique for me because the, the, there's always a song for the hero, and there's often a song for the villain, but I think this is the only Disney song where the villain gets a song, but everybody sings it like he's the hero. Like they're, they're all, they're yeah. all, they're all touting him for the most mundane and or um, aggro alpha male <laughs> uncool behavior. Uh, which you know, and I, and I and I think it's like it's a really smart song in the context of the film. Mm-hmm. Where it where it juxtaposes you know the good guy and the bad guy, um, and it's and it's really funny. Um, they did it in they did it in the animated version and they did it in the live action version. And the live action version is more of a big Broadway production number. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like it, but I don't necessarily like it more. Um, I, I do like the line where he tries to where uh, Lafou tries to spell and realizes he's illiterate. That was nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like when, like, and it, this, in fact, this is part of what inspired this show topic for me was, you know, anytime people list their, their favorite Disney songs, this one never makes the cut. So I wanted to make sure it got it to do. Okay. All right. That's it. Cool. All right. Chris, what is your unanimated musical? <laughs> I mean, it, it's not so much. It's I'm just not a fan of musicals. I never have been, which is ironic because I'm a huge, huge opera fan. So if I could talk about arias and stuff, I could give you a litany of them all night long. But cool. if we're going to stick to like popular entertainment, thank God nobody took my lowest of low hanging fruit, Doctor Horrible sing along blog. It's on my oh, list. It's on my list. Yeah. We can have it. <laughs> we can yes. talk about it. Thank you because it was amazing. I am not a huge fan of musicals, like I said, but that got right into my ears and stayed there for weeks. I had it was my first iPod. It was just an iPod. It wasn't a phone. It wasn't anything. It was just an iPod. I paid the money because I wanted to support Joss Whedon. And, you know, it was during the writer's strike and everything when they weren't, you know, the, oh, the poor Hollywood blockbusting, you know, writer and producer and director needs my money. But Dr. Horrible was just amazing. And I still Genius. find myself um, thinking about it. It was one of the best origin stories ever put down. And the fact that they made so many beautiful songs with so much humor. And it, it was just perfect all the way around. I really, really enjoyed it. It knocked me for a loop. And that's one thing that is really common to my list is I go in expecting to hate musicals because I just don't like them. But when something grabs me, it completely just I, I it, it it carries me away, and Doctor Horrible is a perfect example of that. It, I wasn't expecting anything, and I got everything. Yeah. Have Have you heard co- uh, commentary of the musical? Was that the one that they put out afterwards? I, I it, think I did. When they talk about ninja ropes and stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's, yes. it's their yeah. their version of the of the of the director's commentary is another whole freaking musical. Yeah, I, oh I heard goodness. that once. I heard that once, but then I just want to go back to like Felicia Day and Neil Patrick Harris singing that duet. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, uh, what I forget what is uh, uh, oh, inside of me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that. It's so yeah, good. the whole thing is brilliant. I yeah. ignored it. I stumbled across it online i was like what the hell is this and didn't watch it and then a friend of mine 
I went to visit him and he's like, have you seen this? Like, no. And he's like, you have to watch this and sat me down and forced me to watch it. And it was the best, you know, I, I, I'm still, I still thank him years later. I, I have it on Blu-ray. It's just, it's where I fell in love with Felicia Day. Cause I, I, I didn't, I didn't know, had never seen her in anything. I hadn't seen the guild or any of that. And, uh, uh, you know, and Nathan Fillion is so, he's so cheesy and wonderful. <laughs> uh, there is just not a bad moment in it, you know, and it's night. It's what? 40 minutes long. If that it's just, yeah. it's yeah, compact, seconds. beautiful, wonderful. Yeah. And I really was because I don't know a lot of musicals. I was sweating all day long saying, I'm going to go like third and Dr. Horrible's going to be gone and I'm going to have nothing to talk about. So <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you, Disney, I guess, for we all know, of the – uh, Sweden's brother, Jed, is the one that actually wrote the music. You know, he, he's good at writing this Broadway type uh, – these Broadway-type musical numbers. He's the one that wrote all the music for that Buffy episode that they did, the Once More with Feeling – you remember that, John? Mm-hmm. The, the the musical Buffy episode. Anyway. Well, um, I remember the musical Buffy episode. Let's think. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it next on my list? Right under Freeze Ray from Dr. Horrible? Let's, I don't know. Maybe. Well, Maybe. Um, but that was the, one of the reasons because they Joss Whedon and Jed Whedon were supposed to, or they did, they were the ones behind that big musical crossover that they did on The Flash and Supergirl uh, last year or the year before. And when oh, I heard that, so I was cool. like, oh, that's going to be awesome. But then they didn't do it this way. They didn't do like Broadway, like we're singing all the dialogue kind of thing. They just sang some songs during a regular yeah. episode. So uh, that was a letdown. But they've been promising for a while that they were going to do like a theatrically released sequel to Dr. Horrible. And it hasn't, it's never happened. Whedon promises that every time he gets up in front of an audience, and he always keeps saying, "Well, oh, as soon as I'm done with this project, we'll do Doctor Horrible too." Yeah. And uh, by the way, Jed, Jed didn't, didn't do all the music. Marissa Tancheron did some, and uh, Zach Whedon did some as well. Okay. Well. Okay. Well, I'm glad I picked the popular one. Oh, I, I liked it. I liked that the the bad guy was the good guy, and the good guy until, was the douchebag <laughs> until he was the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Captain Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Virginia, what's your what's your first one? Well, I I feel like I'm going to be taking us to the dark side here after all this Disney talk, um, because mine is my first one is a 1980s musical called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Burt Reynolds yes. and Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. um, the acting is pretty bad, but the singing is pretty good. The the song that I specifically picked um, it's towards the end called uh, Sidestep that Charles Durning spe- uh, sings He's <laughs> um, Texas politics are something else let me tell you like <laughs> they, it's dirty and it's bad and it doesn't matter who's in charge it's Texas politics are dirty so this song is basically the governor sidestepping every question he gets about the best little whorehouse in Texas and just saying nothing the whole song. And he does like this. He's like this 65 year old man doing this little dance and it's so hilarious. So, um, there's a lot of good songs in that movie, but that one's, that one's probably my favorite. Okay. That movie, um, it was on HO or something. And I don't remember how old I was, but I was, I mean, it's, it's called the best little whorehouse in Texas, but it's not like a dirty film. It's probably, right. like, it's probably like PG 13. Yeah. And and I was like a kid 
maybe 13, but um, I was watching it and my older sister was teasing me because she wanted to make me say the name, but I knew that, <laughs> that was a bad word. <laughs> and I said, it's, it's, what, what are you watching, John? Uh, it's this movie with Burt Reynolds. What's it called? Um, <laughs> it's the, um, it's something about, uh, it's like a country, country, what's, it, what's the name of it? Um, it's the best in Texas. <laughs> it's what? It's the best in Texas. It's what? It's the little whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> That's my main memory about that. Song. I'm sorry, right. but I yes, my... the, song, the songs were good. And I, and I remember there's this, there's one where Burt Reynolds does the thing where he puts his hat on sideways and he turns his head really quick, and so the hat's on the right way. That's oh the, yeah, that's Charles Durning. Yeah. Oh, um, is, that the, is that that same song? That's in that song. Yeah. Awesome. My favorite part though is um, where because um, this is all based on a true story, there's a scene where the sheriff from the town where the chicken ranch is um, goes up to the the um, reporter who's like doing this whole expose and whatever in the Capitol, in the rotunda, like the big main area and just punches him right in the face, which really happens. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm like, that's so great. <laughs> all right. Okay. Rick, what's your first one? Okay. Uh, like Chris... Uh, and maybe even more ironically, because of my, my line of work, I am a theatrical professional. I generally don't like musicals either. Um, they are a necessary evil in my in my profession. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, I, I find them annoying. Uh, although, ironically, some of my favorite shows are musicals. However, my list does not include any musicals. But they I chose to go for musical numbers in non-musical movies. Uh, because... Generally, those are a lot of fun. Um, so uh, I'm going to start. I'm going to kind of cheat on a couple of these just because uh, it was impossible to choose. And the first one I'm going to start with is Beetlejuice. Oh, I think you just stole one off John's list. <laughs> <laughs> but which which one? Well, I was because I know right, anytime, I anytime we talk music, John always goes for the, the banana boat song from Beetlejuice. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is that, why I did not. What about time. Shake Shake oh. Sonora? Well, yeah. that, John, like okay. John don't like well, predictable. Both of them. Uh, you know, everybody remembers the the, uh, the the dinner scene where they all get possessed and they sing the banana boat song, which is genius. I watched it this afternoon uh, in preparation for this, and it's just it that whole thing just. It's beautiful acting by everybody in the scene, especially Catherine O'Hara yeah, doing the amazing. doing the choreography <laughs> with the look on her face of what the hell's happening. Um, it just everybody is brilliant in that whole scene. And then the and then at the end when they do Harry Belafonte's "Jump in the Line" and you've got Winona Ryder floating up and singing, you know, lip syncing the song, and the dead football players appear behind her as the backup. And I think we've, at least for me. All of the stuff that's happened to Winona Ryder since Beetlejuice came out kind of overshadows how wonderful she was in that movie and how much fun she was in that movie. Um, and especially at that last bit where she's just having a blast up on the flying rig, singing the song and doing the dance and being 13 and just grinning ear to ear. Uh, and I just I love those two numbers in that in that movie because it's if you're not familiar with Beetlejuice, it's a very theatrical film. Uh, I I use it in my lighting design class as examples of, of stuff because it's not a very cinematic film. It's a very stagey theatrical film, and I love it. Um, it's you know back when Michael Keaton was still just doing comic stuff. Um, 
uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin play a couple of uh, a couple who get killed and then they become ghosts and then they're the least creepy people in the movie. <laughs> it's just Beetlejuice is a lot of fun and you've got these two wonderful musical numbers that sort of come out of nowhere uh, that it's it's a whole I just really love it. Okay, well I okay. I guess I'll do my next one, uh, and I'm trying to decide which one I want to do. Uh, I think I'm going to go with this. Uh, this is not from a musical. It's just a musical number in a movie, but it's from Monty Python's Life of Brian, <laughs> The Bright Side of Life. I was thinking of that one. If you, that was on my honorable mentions. Yeah, if you haven't seen Life of Brian, it's uh, it's the other Monty Python movie that's not the Holy Grail. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a uh, parody of the Gospels, kind of. And it shows the life no, it of a... isn't. That's why it got so much grief, because people said that, and it's not true. I'm sorry. It's set in biblical times in Jerusalem, but it doesn't make fun of anything from the Bible. Well, yeah, it's sure. making fun. It's a, it, I mean, parody doesn't necessarily mean it's making fun. It's but, just... but that, but... Okay, this is I, another I, thing Rick doesn't like. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I, this, sound, this sounds like I'm being nitpicky, but when the movie came out, People were protesting it. People were just lose, lost their mind because they were saying that the Pythons were insulting Christianity. And there is nothing in it. Jesus shows up once while he's doing the Sermon on the Mount. And that's it. The rest of it is just in the town at the same time. And, you know, yeah, there are some born, of it. Isn't, he's, at yeah. the beginning of the movie, Rick, he's born Rick, in the Rick. same in the same. Uh, I want to say stall, but he in the same stable where Jesus is born, like he's born next door or like down yeah, the aisle or something. Like yeah, yeah, that's that's where I was going. I mean, it's just like like it starts at the same place as Jesus's life, and they kind of parallel from there. And people think that he's the Messiah here and there throughout the throughout yeah. the movie, but but he's not. He's just a very boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the <laughs> uh, but the number at the end is like you know they get to the point where he's being crucified and he's being crucified on a hill with. 20 other people and they all start singing always look on the bright side of life and whistling and all kinds oh of Oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah. And <laughs> I think the image the image is just hilarious of all these people hanging on a cross and they're singing this upbeat peppy song <laughs> and everything. And it's just the the most it's really the the second most memorable part of the movie for me. The other part is when he's abducted by aliens for no apparent reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the aliens are just as surprised that he's there as he is. <laughs> so, um okay. Yeah. Uh, who was next? Well, John, you're next. I think it's me. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you all for whittling down my list <laughs> <laughs> because I, I I was concerned. But let's see. We, we I did guest on. Um, we already knocked off Doctor Horrible. We mentioned once more once more with feeling. Um, so I'll just list all of that. Uh, friend like me. So I will go back to the 80s like uh, like Virginia and Rick and a slightly darker film Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. And a lot of good, a lot of good songs in this film. I'm going to go with Supper Time. <laughs> yeah. Because it is surprisingly scary and menacing and dark in a film that had been you know, all, all you know, shits and giggles up until that point and it turns like on a dime like and that's that is the you know 
that is the perfect union of um, a really good director and a really good song because it, it switches from this. I mean, obviously it's 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 a dark comedy because of what it's about, but cinematically the film isn't dark. It's colorful and it's peppy um, until this song, and it and it's just like you know, the curtain falls and it's actually sincerely scary. <laughs> and I got to say and, that movie is one of the most faithful adaptations of a play to a movie ever made. It's beautiful. I've never seen um, the actual play. I've only seen plays based on the movie. Is is the the Jack Nicholson one from like the fifties? Is that is that more like the original play? No, 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 not at all. the the the, the musical the, the the stage musical was based on the movie from the fifties, but the movie was based on the stage musical. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, and Frank Oz did a beautiful job with it. He did. He nailed it. Hit it out of the park. It was great. It was, it was the second new musical film, live action musical film, that I've ever seen that made me not hate musicals. <laughs> I hated musicals for the first several years of my life. Um, I probably like into a teenager, and then I saw one film, and then I saw. Like Little Shop of Horrors, a couple of years. Ago. I was like, okay, okay I, I guess I can give musicals a chance again. And uh, I guess I'll do that other film next on when it comes around to me again. Have you seen the original ending of Little of Little Shop? I've read it. Okay. Uh, I, I know what it was. I haven't. I haven't. Like, if you can, it. if you can get your hands on the Blu-ray with the, the special edition Blu-ray, the the original ending, they actually did the whole thing. There's like 20 minutes of fully done special effects. I mean, like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars down the drain because test audiences didn't like the way it ended. I don't know if down the drain is right. I mean, (laughs) I feel I'm inclined to think that it was the right call. I, well, (laughs) but yeah, but yeah, if you can get a, or I think it may be like on Facebook now by this point, you might be able to, or YouTube or something. I'm sure it's on YouTube. It's a, it's brilliant. I, I love the original ending, but I, I love crap like that. I love it when, when they, they take the road less traveled. Yeah. All right, Chris. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with one that grabbed me unexpectedly in the theater and made me crack up. South Park, bigger, longer, uncut. <laughs> I was not expecting it to be a ripoff of Les Mis, but as soon as Terrence and Phillips started to sing Uncle F***er and tap dance and fart, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in. So you do <laughs> so, like animation. <laughs> no, I, is, like, I don't like, um, like the Pixar movies. They just don't grab me. But I was thinking we did a show earlier, Sean, about like what I'm watching. Mm. It's all Rick and Morty, Archer. Um, yeah, yeah. Venture Brothers, uh, you know, it's like I love animation just for whatever reason. Those Disney movies, Pixar kinds of movies don't appeal to me. They they never grab me. Is it so because, the, because they're predictable. They're so formulaic, maybe. I, no, it's not even that. Let me. OK, uh, context. Everybody was going on and on about what a what a seminal genre film Wally is. And I watched yeah. Wally and I said, yeah, it's about two stars. 
And then I'm thinking if this is like the, the apex of the form and everybody's going on about how amazing it is. Well, let me try this one. Eh, didn't like it. Let me try. And I think the one I liked the most and even that I barely have any memory of was The Incredibles. That was so, going to be my go to. Yeah, yeah right. I know, I know, and I know you've talked about it. And I, lo- I saw the the trailer for part two, but I mean, this is this is di- diversion. I, it's it's really not relevant to what we're discussing. But suffice it to say, I'm a huge South Park fan, or you know, I was in its first few seasons. I still watch it, but I don't think it's what it was. But when I saw Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, I was just like, "Geez, the Trey Parker is out of his mind." <laughs> <laughs> So it really grabbed me. And you had the whole thing. I mean, back then it was very subversive, but with, you know, Satan being a sympathetic (laughs) character. Yeah. And Saddam Hussein being the main villain. And it's, yeah, everything about it was just unexpected. But that whole Terrence and Philip thing, the first 10 minutes of that movie, I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's my second pick. (laughs) All right. All right. Virginia, you're next. Um, My next one is. I think it was from 2005, Chicago, with um, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Renee Zellweger. Um, I like one thing I really liked about the whole musical was like a lot of musicals will just randomly burst into song, which I, I admit I'm a fan of, but not everybody <laughs> is a fan of that. So um, what I like about this is that it's sort of this is how Ro- Renee Zellweger's character Roxy. This is how she like views everything. This is like what's going on inside her mind. So um, Cell Block Tango is my absolute favorite musical number from the from the whole musical because it's just like I like the way they do the lighting. I like the way they show that they um, they use like red handkerchiefs to show how they killed the people and just like all the dancing and everything. I just love it. Can I say that as, again, speaking as a theatrical professional, um, mm-hmm. Chicago was such a breath of fresh air because they didn't just take the play and turn it into a movie. It was mm-hmm. such a wonderful adaptation of the source material. Uh, I loved it. And you're, and you're so right. Subblock Tango is is amazing. And uh, just that movie was so brilliant. Who would have thought Richard Gere could sing? Right? <laughs> I think I think he took, I know he took like dance, I know he took like tap dance lessons. Mm-hmm. That, that, that song actually almost made my list was the one where he's like, I don't remember the, the name of the song. The Razzle the, Dazzle. Yeah, yeah, the Razzle Dazzle. I almost put that on my list because he like, uh, yeah, he works his ass off. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it was great. Okay, Rick, what's your next one? Okay, my next one is kind of obscure, uh, but frequently shows up on on the on like my guilty pleasures list. Although I'm not really guilty about it, I love the movie Tank Girl. <laughs> and in the middle of the movie, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, she forces some of the bad guys to do uh, Cole Porter's Let's Do It, Let's Fall in Love. And it turns into this huge Busby Berkeley-esque musical number uh, that is just totally out of the blue, which I love. I love absurdism. I love just stuff that just happens for no good reason other than it just is bizarre as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's got to be done right, you know. If a movie just doesn't make any sense, you know, eventually I get bored with it. But for something like this, where Tank Girl is just—it's such a stylized film anyway—and then just this musical number just happens. 
and it's it's wonderful. Again, I watched that this afternoon too, because uh, I haven't seen it, I haven't watched it in a while, and it's just so much fun and so out of left field. Uh, and it's also, you know, a lot of the the movie is pretty dark and and serious uh, in a in a really kind of campy, kitschy way. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of hard to describe. If you have seen it, you'll get it. Um, but then just this, you know, sort of total break in the tension except that she's making this room full of rich people do this at gunpoint and they're all singing it in perfect harmony and doing choreography and stuff. It's, it's just great. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I know we've only done two each, but we've done like 10 movies. If there's anything that you guys have, anything that you absolutely want to throw in, we'll go ahead and do that. I have to just uh, mention the blues brothers. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, and that's more of a musical movie though. It's not really a musical. It's only, they only veer into like musical territory once. And I think that's when Aretha Franklin sings think it's the yeah. only time where a character sings their dialogue, you know, I'll say it still counts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought of it and I just, I couldn't pick a number from the movie cause it's Oh, shake a tail so feather. Cool. Ray Charles. <laughs> yeah. By all means. Yeah. Shake a tail feather. Best, best song in the movie. In my opinion. <laughs> is that is that it is that for you? Uh, um, and uh, the only other musical that I watched that completely blew me away, and I didn't expect it to, was Moulin Rouge, with uh, Ewan McGregor, and uh, mm-hmm. I forget who else was in it. But Nicole I remember Kidman. Nicole Kidman. I remember watching that because I always thought Nicole Kidman was hot, and <laughs> it the the production value of it really grabbed me. And then I got so wrapped up in it that at the very end, when they're singing about love, I'm bawling my eyes out. And my <laughs> wife comes home. She walks in. <laughs> the garage door is right. It opens right onto the family room. So she comes in from the garage and she sees me on the couch. And she says, are you crying at Moulin Rouge? And I'm like, no, no, I'm not, no. <laughs> so that's. That's, that's, one, the story. that's one of those movies yeah. that I've, I've never seen, but everyone that I've talked to that has seen it either really, really loved it or absolutely hated it. I've never heard anybody was, say, oh, it's fine. You know, it, was surpri- yeah. it was surprisingly amazing. Yeah. And you want, you want to guess honor- where I fall in that spectrum? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Rick I know. doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and other honorable mention has to be Grease, I guess, because my oh, sister yeah. watched that every day for seven years, so... I know that movie backwards and forwards. I know every note of that movie. I'm done. My right. honorable mention is because it wouldn't be Christmas without it is White Christmas. Nice. Oh yeah, hmm. yeah. Which is it, that is it's called White Christmas, but that's actually the second movie where Bing Crosby sang uh, White Christmas because the first time that Correct. he sang it was in uh, Holiday Inn. Yes. Yep. All right. Uh, I have an honorable mention. It's the the Scrooge theme from A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's a good one. I love because I've always loved the Muppets when I was a kid, and I've subjected my family to the Muppets and forced them to watch that sitcom that they did a couple years ago. And forced them to go to the Muppet Theater at Disney World a couple weeks ago (laughs) and all that. But I was nervous when. when they made this movie, because it was the first Muppet film that they made after Jim Henson died, so I didn't know how it was going to go, but when they did this first opening number, uh, you know, I thought they did a great job, and it introduced Scrooge, and, and this, the whole sequence was fantastic, and it's still one of my favorite versions of A Christmas Carol, so if I had to pick one to show to a kid, 
to, to get the story of A Christmas Carol, I would show him this before I would show him that Jim Carrey cartoon any day. So, Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, I got a... Oh, go ahead, John. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll, I'll run and gun through these. Um, Bugs Bunny, the Rabbit of Seville. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said we couldn't talk about opera. <laughs> I never said that. I said go ahead. Shiny from Moana. Uh, the entire once more with feeling. The Heat Miser, Cold Miser song from the year without Santa Claus. Yeah. Nice, very nice. Oh, wow. uh, there, hmm. Rudolph. Yeah, and um, in the not musical musical category, uh, my best friend's wedding, which is a film that on paper I should have hated, but it was really charming, and I like it was everybody when they sang had a reason to sing, like it was you know it was like karaoke or it was like a birthday party or something like that, so they worked it into the story that the singing made sense, but it wasn't a musical per se, and. The first musical that I saw, live action musical that I saw, that made me not hate musicals and actually entertained me was The Music Man. I wouldn't call it. I personally don't think it's that great of a film. I think it's I think it's a good film, but it was the first one I saw that again the people the the, the singing was interwoven into just like the regular dialogue. They didn't like break in the song. It's like they would start talking. And then they'd start talking rhythmically, and then they kind of start talking and moving their feet a little bit, and then a a a a musical number just spontaneously emerged from what they were doing. So that that was that was my that was my gateway musical. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I, controversial choice. Um, I'm going to add "Whoop That Trick" from Hustle and Flow because yeah, it's fine. Because <laughs> well, um, Hustle and Flow is is uh, a story about it's like small time. Uh, he's a pimp actually. He's a small time pimp, and but he wants to be. Uh, he wants to get into the music business. And the first and and he's so he's, he's got all these lyrics written down, but he doesn't have any music for it. And so he gets this friend of a friend who's like a producer. And they're kind of they're kind of working in the studio, and you slowly. And the reason I picked the song is because you you see this a, a song form, like you see all the little bits and pieces come together. And once it really starts to work together, once they get all the pieces together, you get the little you get the little goosebumps, tingles like oh they they got it they got a good song they got a good song they got a good song. <laughs> yes, it is whoop that trick, but I feel I should say they're not talking about. Beating up prostitutes. That is not the nature of the song, despite uh-huh. the fact that he is a pimp. You can cut all that out if you want, Sean. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Rick, did you have uh, one? Rick. Oh, I've got I've got a bunch. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Um, Across the Universe was a wonderful, wonderful musical. Uh, one of the few strictly movie musicals I've ever seen that I I absolutely adored, but I can't pick a single number from it. Uh, because it's just it's just it's all Beatles music, but it fits the narrative. The, the, you know, fits the narrative of, of this story, and it's a very sweet story. The, the the really the only problem with the movie and the disappointing part, which saddens me greatly, is that Eddie Izzard's bit 
Rupert in the middle of it is is kind of the low point of the film. He wasn't that great. I was sad. I was disappointed by that. But across the universe, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, the Court Jester with Danny Kay. Um, I love Danny Kay. I I, uh, oh, it's it's his take on Robin Hood, and it's just it's it's a genius film. It's one of my all time favorites. Um, and there there are numerous songs in there. Um, you know, again, it's really hard to just pick one to go with. But the Court Jester, it's it's out there on on Amazon or on on it may be on Netflix. I don't know, but it's uh, it's a wonderful, sweet you know, nineteen sixties medieval romp, and it's a lot of fun. Um, Got to give props to Mel Brooks because in a lot of his movies, there's there's always one musical number. Uh, you know, the the producers is Springtime for Hitler, Young Frankenstein is putting on the Ritz. Uh, Blazing Saddles is I'm Tired, Madeline Kahn's brilliant uh, <laughs> bit. And then, of course, from History of the World Part 1, The Inquisition. Um, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then this isn't necessarily a musical number, but I thought it was worth mentioning because I cannot hear the song Blue Moon anymore without <laughs> imagining somebody turning into a werewolf while it's happening. Uh, nice. The f- the first transformation in an American werewolf in London, it, it, the, the, I mean, aside from just being an Academy Award winning bit of, of prosthetic work, uh, is just geniusly shot. And the music being played over the whole sequence is, is it, it's Blue Moon. I think it's a couple of different versions of Blue Moon are in the, are in the film. Uh, but it, it's just a perfect blending of visuals and music for, yeah, for a bit. That- that should have that should have made our best of show uh, episode with the best song. It was use of oh no. Oh yeah. And that's all, all right. for me. Okay. And also, don't forget Bohemian Rhapsody from Wayne's World. <laughs> One that, of my that favorites. Was on my list, but I think we... <laughs> no. and, and there's a jogging a lot of memories here. <laughs> and don't forget all of um, Xanadu. <laughs> oh my lord! Uh, that was unfortunately uh, the, the flip side of watching Greece every day was listening to Xanadu. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie. Xanadu. I could, but at least yeah. you get to look at Olivia Newton-John. That's not a bad that's thing. Never bad. So no, that not movie a bad thing. Was a terrible movie, but oh, awful. Like it was. It was completely. I don't even know the word for it. Uh, you will never forget it. <laughs> that could be a word for it. Go go to go to YouTube and just watch the number Xanadu, and you will see a, a, a complete encapsulation of the entire eighties yeah. <laughs> pop yeah. culture. Yeah. <laughs> On a late mention. late seventies, early eighties. Can I mention uh, Mr. Mr. Magoo's a Christmas Carol? So I I yeah, that was a perennial every year. Mm-hmm. So and I knew every song in that, so I guess that counts. Maybe that's my gateway musical. <laughs> okay. I, I want I want that trending on Twitter. What's your gateway musical? <laughs> Hashtag gateway musical. Doctor Zayas. Doctor Zayas. Oh yeah, from the Simpsons. Doctor Zayas. Doctor Zayas. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks everybody for being here. Uh, Chris, you've got a new project you're working on. You want to tell us about it? I've uh, recently become a co-host on the Quantum Leap podcast. I'm now hosting the show with Allison Pregler and Matt Dale. Allison is the host of a series on YouTube called Movie Nights. Matt Dale actually wrote the book on Quantum Leap. He wrote the book called um, Beyond the Mirror Image, An Observer's Guide to Quantum Leap, which is an exhaustive 
800 plus page encyclopedia all about the show. Um, so we uh, have been co-hosting now for about four or five episodes by the time this airs, I'm sure. And uh, you can find us at quantumleappodcast.com and you can get the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. All right. And uh, Virginia, you have a blog. Yes, I'm working on a, a Star Trek for Beginners blog called To Casually Go, and you can find it at tocasuallygo.com and on Twitter at tocasuallygo. All right. And Rick, folks can find you at? SimplySyndicated.com, where I have several shows, including Starbase 66, Simply Syndicated Movie News, The Seventh Chevron, and by the time this comes out, hopefully, my new show, Thank the Makers, where I interview people who create content and stuff that folks would want to hear, see, or buy, uh, should be up and running. So please check me out there. Okay. And John? Captain Game Show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. the, the apparently infectious theme song, Captain yeah. Game Show. Um, That's true. true. Yeah, yeah it, is the, uh, it is a trivia wordplay game show of the Cosmic Potato Network. Um, all of you guys have been on at least once. Thank you so much. Um, check your local listings. I guess, no way. <laughs> Damn it, I should have written this down. Um, yeah you can uh, everywhere you find Cosmic Potato you can find uh, Captain Game Show new episode every week and um, it's got games I don't know hey guys make sure you go to iTunes and leave us a 5 star rating and please go to our website at CosmicPotato.com and check out all the other shows on the network like Captain Game Show World War G Review of Mania and The Prime Direction and thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, All right, we're having a fly float fall. The rapid fire game for what happened to various things, and they were dropped out of a 10 story window. So please have more than correct answer, and there will be no debating. Just shout it out if you know it. I am not keeping individual scores because I don't really care. Again, only respond with fly, float, or fall. No other answers are acceptable. Contestants three, are you ready? I'm ready. It's my favorite game of all time. Go ahead. Excellent. Fly, float, or fall. <clears throat> Batman. Fly. Batman. Fall. Fall. Banana Man. Fly. Fall. A pigeon. A pigeon? What? Fly. Pigeon. A chicken. Fall. 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 A feather. Float. 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 The vulture. Fly. Fly. Robin. Fall. Robin Sparkles. Fall. Fall. A rainbow. At the mall. A rainbow. Float. Float. A bow tie. Fall. Fall. A BLT. Fall. Thai food. Fall. Thai fighter. Fly. Fly. Thai Pennington. Fall. Fall. Doctor Doom. Fly. Fly. Doctor Strange. Fly. Doctor Seuss. Fall. Doctor Strange <laughs> after Infinity War. Float. Float. Fork. Fall. Fork. Fall. Fall. Bjork. Fall. Fall. Blue Beetle. Fly. Fly. Beetlejuice. Fly. Orange juice. Fall. Green Lantern. Fly. Fly. A black hole. Float. 
Yeah, it's tricky. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost. Float. Float. Well done, contestants. <laughs>